Welcome to r slash, a podcast where I read the best posts from across Reddit. Today's subreddit is r slash pro revenge. And next, a word from our sponsors. After my wife and I got married last year, we decided that we should both get on the same phone plan. We went down to the AT&T store and met with a rep who told us we'd both be on an unlimited plan for $70 a month all in, including taxes and fees. I was very specific about getting the all in price for the service. It seemed like a decent deal, so we signed up. Two days later, I log into the website and see that there's already a bill for $139. I call up a rep to see what's up, and they tell me that between the activation fees, taxes, and surcharges, the bill was correct. I told them what the salesperson told me, and they basically told me to pound sand. I promptly told them I wanted to cancel the service and wanted the $139 waived. They said they could cancel the service, but could not or would not waive the bill. They also told me that if I canceled immediately, my wife and I would both lose our phone numbers, which is true. So I figure since I already have to pay for the month and I don't want to lose my phone number, I'll just get a new carrier and cancel when I'm ready. So I do my research and find Visible, which is excellent, and we make the switch. I call back to AT&T and inform them that we've switched carriers and want to cancel the service. I again ask for a refund. The rep informs me that since I've had the service for four days that I'm not entitled to a refund. He tells me to read the fine print of the contract, which indeed tells me that I have three days to cancel for a full refund. I'm now fuming because the first representative that I talked to on day two denied me a refund if I canceled. I asked for the next level of representative and they send me to a customer care and retention person. I explained the entire fiasco to him and how I feel that I've been lied to twice by AT&T reps. He's a really cool guy and apologizes and says he'll try and take care of it and will completely waive the bill. I'm very thankful and hang up thinking this is finally resolved. Fast forward a month and I get an AT&T bill in the mail stating that my payment was not received and is now late. I again pick up the phone and call AT&T. I eventually make my way through two representatives until I get back to the customer care and retention department. This time I did not have the chill dude. Instead, I got a very smarmy woman who said that the bill was due and I'd owe the entire amount. I asked her to please check the representative notes and that the last guy told me he'd waive the amount. She put me on a 10 minute silent hold and came back and said she'd escalate the matter to her supervisor. She said I should receive an email by the end of the week with a resolution. Two weeks go by. No response. I call again. This time, I get a very nice lady who's sympathetic. She says she'll waive the bill. She comes back and tells me that she can't do anything because the bill has already been sent to collections. She said not to worry and that she'll send a letter to collections to have them waive the debt. I ask if this will go on my credit report and she says no and that they'll take care of it. Six months later, I get a letter in the mail from Sequium Asset Solutions out of Georgia trying to collect on the $139. I immediately send them a letter via certified mail demanding that they verify the debt since it's obviously bad. I hear nothing for two months, and then I get an alert that I have a negative mark on my credit. I go in, and sure enough, Sequium has indicated that the amount is in collections. I immediately write letters to all three bureaus requesting that they remove the mark. A month goes by, and every single one of the bureaus removes the mark, thank God. Another three months go by, and then I get a letter from Sunrise Credit Services in New York again trying to collect on the debt. This is truly unbelievable because it appears that Sequium couldn't verify it. So instead of apologizing and waiving the debt, they sold it off to another collection agency. I send another certified letter to Sunrise demanding verification. I got nothing in reply. So far, they have not attempted to put a mark on my credit. That's where this part of the story ends. Who knows what will happen next? 
I could file a lawsuit, but the filing fee alone would be more than the amount owed. Here's the thing, I'm not cash-strapped. I'm blessed enough that I could easily pay the 139 without making a dent in my budget. I've lost five times that amount in hours spent on the phone and writing letters. But I'm determined to go to the mat with AT&T on principle alone. This brings us to the revenge stage. You see, in addition to my day job as an attorney, I'm an elected city councilman in my town. And when I was going over our monthly expenses, I noticed that we were paying AT&T close to $6,000 a month for our phones, internet, and TV services. We're a fairly small town, so it was pretty obvious that we were being bent over by these clowns and that we could save a ton of money by switching. I started working with our city manager and IT director on finding other solutions. We discovered that by switching to various carriers and providers, we could save half. I never would have looked that closely into our telecom expense had AT&T not jerked me around. Two weeks ago, the resolution to switch was put on our meeting agenda and the council voted to pass it. We decided to completely cut ties with AT&T. Our city is saving a ton of money, getting better service, and with the money we saved from switching, we were able to hire another part-time animal shelter employee, which we desperately needed. I highly doubt our city would have considered switching if I didn't make such a stink about it. AT&T will end up losing hundreds of thousands of dollars over the coming years because of this. I hope it was worth it, AT&T. Our next Reddit post is from a certain technician. So, way back in the 90s, my family lived in a log cabin on 10 acres of land in a rural area 10 minutes or so out of town. It wasn't totally the sticks, but you could definitely hear banjo music in the background sometimes. At the end of our nearly quarter-mile-long driveway was one of those roads that was also technically a state highway. In the AM, I'd trudge down to wait for the bus. When I got home, I'd grab the mail and carry it back. Until one Monday morning when I went out and noticed the mailbox was gone. On closer inspection, it looked like it had just been ripped out of the ground. Dad was obviously not pleased. He went to talk with the county sheriff who happened to live a mile down the road. Turned out, it had been happening up and down the road for months. Someone was tossing a chain over the mailboxes and yanking them out with their vehicle. He suspected a guy down the road with his great big lifted four-wheel truck, but couldn't prove anything. It usually happened on Saturday and Sunday nights with most people finding out in the morning. Also, it seemed that the nicer the mailbox, the bigger the target. And many had been hit multiple times. People had tried digging deeper, using more durable wood, etc. The guy just took it as a challenge and ripped them out again. The ground was soft and sandy, and his truck was a monster. Well, my dad said, challenge effing accepted. A bit about my father. He's a steelworker with an engineering background and graduate degree. Built like a bear with forearms the size of my freaking legs. Most people looking at him would never think that this monster of a man is also brilliant, but he is. The calm, cool type that never, almost never loses his temper. But wrong him and God help you. So dad goes to Lowe's and buys the fanciest, prettiest mailbox they sell. He then proceeds to install it on top of an 8 foot long cylinder of 3 foot diameter hardened tool steel. But he wasn't done there. After digging down with post holers and dropping it in, he then filled it in with quick set concrete. To really sell it, he then used strips of half-inch wood to cover the steel core of his now indestructible mailbox of doom. He then primed and painted them so it looked like a standard 4-inch post. And he even had my mom decorate it with flowers and such. He wanted it to be as tempting of a target as possible. It didn't even take a week. 
I went out for school in the morning and found the mailbox right where it should be. Attached to it was 30 feet of chain and an entire hitch assembly. Ripped right off the truck's frame, sheared the bolts. It was marvelous to behold. (laughs) The sheriff gets called over and dies laughing when he sees it. He went to the house of the guy that was suspected and, sure enough, verified the damage to his truck matched. Fun fact, screwing with a mailbox is a federal crime. As in, you go to federal prison, not those cushy state places. Dad was unofficially rewarded by the sheriff's department with a few cases of beer and some venison. And after that, every deputy in town would flash him a thumbs up whenever they saw him. And down in the comments, we have this story from Greg Groover. In my town, buttheads would hit the mailbox with baseball bats while driving down the road. My neighbor filled his with concrete and waited. That night while we sat on the porch, here comes the local morons. And wham! Screech and crash! The driver hit the mailbox and when the bat came back on him, it knocked the steering wheels out of his hands and he crashed into a tree, destroying his mom's car. Whoops! <laughs> Two days later, we see him riding past on a skateboard with his arm in a cast. And there's yet another story from mistakes were made here. My grandpa did something similar from stories he told me. Him and his wife just moved into a neighborhood in the 60s and quickly settled in and got to know their neighbors well. One day, their mailbox got the axe and was plowed over with tire tracks and all. Being the carpenter he is, he built one out of a dense wood sunk 10 feet down and hollowed to put a cast iron pipe inside filled with concrete. Then, he decorated it with little shrubs and tacked on cypress planks to give it a flimsy facade. A few days passed, and one night at 6am, a loud BAM, followed by screeching metal and a teenager cursing at the sky woke the neighborhood. The mailbox was in the car's engine bay, and the front of the car was unrecognizable. Behind the totaled vehicle, a trail of battered mailboxes and tire streaks lined the block. Victory at last. The cops hauled the boy away and towed the wreckage away, never to be seen again. A week later, his business was booming from people all over the town wanting a custom mailbox. To this day, he never corrected the tilted mailbox as a reminder of his victory. Our next Reddit post is from Mizen. So, this happened my second semester dorming at my college campus. I'd met my roommate at orientation and could kind of already tell she was going to be a pain in my butt. And I was right about that. I'd planned on moving rooms to be closer to some friends the next semester. But let me get to the story that led to my revenge. On our campus, you had to pay for meals using your student ID, which had a certain amount of money on it each semester. You could also use an app that put your name and ID info into it and make it easier to pay. But the name and ID had to match for it to work, which will be important later. Any funds from the fall semester would roll over into the spring. But then at the end of spring, it would just expire. Because of this, and because I only ate once or twice a day, I had a ton saved up on my card. My roommate, on the other hand, did not. So I offered to pay for some of her meals from time to time in exchange for her picking up food for us, which involved her using my card twice in person and then she'd return it. Then, one day, I noticed on my app that my card was being charged even when I was not ordering food. And not just a meal, like a meal for several people. This meant that whoever was ordering either had to have stolen my ID card, which I had in my pocket when I got the charge, or was impersonating my info on the app, which are both big no-nos on my campus. I was quick to put two and two together and was pretty pissed. 
I was initially going to confront her about it, but decided to formulate a plan instead. That day, I went and ordered a second ID card for 25 bucks to use for later. Since it took a couple of weeks to get the new one, I let her charge several things to my card over a good two weeks. For her and her friends. And she wasn't very good at hiding it either since they would come to our dorm and eat. Meanwhile, I just screenshot and sent emails to the support team of the app about the charges, knowing nothing would get done until I contacted someone in person. And one day, it got even better, as you can buy groceries with the card off campus as well. She decided to pay for alcohol with my card, which doesn't get pinged as an issue on my card due to me being over 21, but she was only 19. I'm not sure how she got it, but it was just the thing to finally act on my plan. I put my best sad face on and contacted the head of campus living and head of my dorm about the charges on my account. I dropped some hints that it could be my roommate and mentioned I got a new ID and asked what I should do. I was told to order a new card and, once I got it, to deactivate my current ID and use a new one for purchases now. I would also need to make my old ID have a balance of $0 and also to ping me if someone uses it to buy anything. They also told me they would be visiting my dorm to discuss the issue with my roommate. I accepted that and waited. They sent the confirmation email that they would be visiting, and I just decided to add more fuel to the fire. My roommate was groaning about not having the funds for food in front of me in our dorm. I told her I really couldn't help her, as I was running low on funds, and she just kind of laughed it off and left the room to probably go use my old ID. I deactivated my first card right after she left, and surprise, surprise, she used my info to pay. Except, when she tried to pay for her and her friends this time, it was declined and it pinged that my ID was used. Campus security was called, and she was escorted back to our dorm. Pretty much perfect timing for our meeting with campus living. She was horrified when they came to the dorm to talk and look through her stuff. On her phone, still logged into the app, was my ID information and name. And in her dorm closet was a half-full bottle of cheap vodka. And on my phone was a screenshot of said unauthorized vodka purchase. In the end, she was forced to pay me back all the funds she used in cash. She was reported for underage drinking, which automatically suspends you from campus living for at least a year. And would have on her record that she performed identity theft, which I also could have charged her for out of school. In the end, I got to have my own dorm for the remainder of that semester and even part of the semester after because it wasn't made as an available room for new dormers. I did get all my money back from her parents, who were so embarrassed and apologized profusely. And when she did eventually come back to campus, no one wanted to dorm with her because they knew she had stolen her roommate's ID. I think in the end, she rented off campus. Our next Reddit post is from Sexual T-Rex. I work in an industry where your relationship with clientele and the integrity of your brand is everything. If you get a reputation that is at all off, it's over for you as the market I'm in is too small to skate by if you're the dodgy sort. This is something we emphasize with every single team member at hiring and all throughout their employment. About two years ago, we had a district manager who was terminated over their involvement in an MLM scheme as well as poor work performance. They had recruited several staff members into the MLM, including the future district manager who would replace him. We tolerated it as a company, but there were strict rules in place about non-solicitation of staff and clients. At the start of the year, his protege was promoted to the new district manager position and immediately started gunning for me. 
She was adamant that I'd be fired from my position and that the facility I'm based out of would be fine rebuilding. Despite the fact that I typically bring in 50-60% to of that location's revenue on a monthly basis. The owner was beyond perplexed by this as she was continuously adamant about the matter, but he didn't follow through with her request. I eventually found out about this as she had been talking to several staff members and asking leading questions about my demeanor, work ethic, etc. She also lobbied that I receive a pay cut, which unfortunately did happen as she claimed the company needed to trim the excess. I was, needless to say, highly suspicious. I then started doing a little digging myself on our social media and discovered that she had been soliciting staff members for this MLM as well as clients of the facility. This also came at a time where her individual performance as well as the performance of her right-hand man to the district manager was incredibly subpar. I compiled screenshots, texts, everything I could showing her link to this MLM and violation of her non-compete clause as this MLM did technically interfere with it. This was especially true of her solicitation of company members and clients. I had the opportunity afforded to me to meet with the owner of the company to discuss improvements that we could make. So that's when I had my little dossier all prepped and ready for him. He was shocked and I could tell light bulbs were going off in his mind. Everything suddenly made sense. Her long lunches, the random disappearances throughout the day, the odd behavior anytime she was asked about myself, the poor productivity. She had been using the company entirely as a funnel for her MLM, and I had a reputation in the company for having a very hard-nosed attitude with scientific matters, as well as being rapidly anti-MLM due to what I've seen them do to others. The first domino fell that night, and it was a blisteringly fast turn of events. Her right-hand man was terminated for his part in it and initially tried to cover for her, but then was reminded that this was a legal matter and immediately spilled the beans on just how deep this misbehavior ran. To top it all off, her time off request for a vacation turned out to be for her to travel to a seminar, or as I called it, tactical indoctrination. She was terminated for this, needless to say. As a result of cutting these two out of the company, our payroll decreased dramatically, and I was awarded both a raise to beyond what my pay was prior to the cut, and a bonus for putting company interests first, as well as being diligent in pursuing this matter. Since this happened, the company has had the best three-week period for summer productivity for as long as I've been there. I've rekindled a love for my career. We've begun new hiring and marketing efforts with our newly opened up budget, and I have an MLM to thank for it. That was r slash pro revenge and if you like this content then hit that follow button because I put out new reddit podcasts every single day.